0: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to another session by ADI Mumbai. Uh, today we have Shabani Jain. Uh, I'll do a short introduction for her. Uh, Shabani is, uh, is an alumnus of NID, graduated with Visual Communication Design. She is a founder and CEO of Bayar Design, a studio, based in, uh, studio and store based in Mumbai. Uh, she is uh, now working in arts and crafts for nearly 25 years and uh, specializing in the handicraft industry uh shivani is a person of many interests she she's a design entrepreneur an expert in folk uh, folk art and art from india uh, and an avid reader who travels and collects elephant figurines and art curios from across the world if you ever get a chance you must actually get get to you know see the see her collection uh she's the founder of a non-profit catalyst for social uh, action and also for hand for handmade a collaborative association for all stakeholders in the handmade and craft space. Uh, let's, let's hear from Shubhani about, uh, about her journey and, and also a part of what, what we're here to listen. So welcome Shivani and over to you on reimagining the heritage art for design.
1: Thank you Shubhrajit uh, for the introduction. Apart from this, I also, been, uh, I mean, I'm the current president of Mumbai chapter. But it's really an honor and pleasure to be here with all of you today. And uh, it's, I think it's across all the ADI chapters today that we are meeting. And um, I'm really happy that I can talk to you a little bit about various things that are close to my heart. It's a very important subject, at least um, to me. And I think that I will be able to communicate why it should be important to a whole lot of people apart from people who are working in the craft sector. Or working with special skills or artisans. Um, actually, I have about 20-25 years experience working in the interior space with crafts and with crafts itself. Started with a dot-com. I think like most people who have entered the crafts arena, I was a bit naive when I entered this whole uh, journey uh, as a dot-com. And needless to say, uh, Professor N.P. Ranjan, who has really Prodded and motivated so many of us was one of the factors why I actually took up crafts and started working with crafts. Uh, But it's been a long and interesting journey. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I do feel that crafts and handicraft space is one of the most interesting, one of the most beautiful spaces to work in. And at the same time, one of the hardest spaces to work in. Um, and there are many reasons for this. I mean, I, I, I'll share some of a, a glimpse of that. But more importantly, I want to leave all of you with a thought at the end of this mere talk today that, you know, why it's really important to connect to our own roots, to our own culture and to understand ourselves from a deeper perspective. Because as designers, I think that as we deepen our perspective of what is our community? Who are we? What's our identity? We, and we look back into our past or into our culture. You see that it deepens your own understanding of your work and your own understanding of what you can do for, for as a designer or what vocabulary you can bring to the world as a designer. But um, let me not talk so much. Let me actually take you into my presentation and then we'll have a QA and a session at the end of it so reimagining heritage art for design and and for designers that's the topic of the day this i had actually presented in a 15 minute version in a couple of tedx talks one tedx was with students one tedx was with uh, professionals but uh, today for the designers i've converted that same thing into a 40 minute talk so please bear with me so first of all art culture and design Actually, the three things are pretty much hand in hand. I mean, you cannot really, uh, according to me, do good design without understanding your own art and your own culture. And we'll see why. So all of you have s- often seen this screen, right? You have seen that uh, um, you know in your design process studies with MP Ranjan, he must have shared this, but basically design science and art, design actually started much later. It started with tools 1.5 million years back, then came mobility, the wheel, the boat, and then came the symbolic expression, which we call art. It all started 50,000 years ago, which seems like a long time as far as our perspective goes, but in the span of the human consciousness or, you know, when human consciousness started interpreting things, it's a tiny wisp of, of time. And 50,000 years ago is when art started and then agriculture and settlement, technology and craft. Um, craft, he actually is 5,000 years old. It may seem, again, a very tiny, small amount of time, but 5,000 years is, uh, is, is a lot of knowledge repository, right? And then you had science and then technology. And of course, what the tomorrow holds, we don't know. And it all started with fire two million years ago. So this is a nice way to understand the perspective of art, how embedded it has been in our consciousness, how deeply entrenched it has been in our evolution, how much we have learned from those you know, prehistoric art to coming to what we are today and how the cultural assimilation integration has happened across the years. So this is, comes from Design Recipe Studio ABD, which talks about how design is integrated with culture, with technology. And at the end of the day, what do you want to create? You want to create something that adds empathy, that hacks frustration and has fun. Motivation, enjoyment, rewards, humane emotional relationships, reduce anxiety, simplify trust. If you have achieved this, then you have achieved what we call a good design at the end of the day. And we often forget the human and emotional aspects of, of our work, which actually comes from culture and stories. And we also forget the fun element, which also comes from culture and stories. So let's go further. Again, a little bit more. The fire context is back here, MP Ranjan. So does culture really matter in the design? You know, what is it that, why is it important? And it is really important because, you know, everything is, goes back to who we are as people. Uh, just to give you an example over here, you know, uh, the tribal communities in India, even today, they do not celebrate the individual. They celebrate the community. So, for example, if you look at a Warli painting, it will never be signed. It is always because it's an effort not of one person, but of the entire community coming together to create that what painting. And often it's a ritual. Often it's meant as a gift from the community to the person that they're gifting the painting to. So, for example, if someone gets married, someone has a child, the Warli painting is created by the women of the village on the walls of the houses. And till today, you won't find one individual who stands up and says, this is my painting. Nowadays, you find it has changed. Another interesting thing about the Warli community is that they don't have a a written script there's no written script and their only written script is their painting now when you think about that i think that you know at all at some point in time we've all come from tribes and look at how community is so integral to Indian society, to Indian thinking, and the the concept of the family and look at all the influences that the West is also bringing in. I'm not passing any value judgment, but it is important to recognize that, you know, we have a certain legacy that has come to us from the past and to understand that legacy if we are to design well. And I just want to say that, you know, We are one of the most blessed countries in terms of arts and crafts. We have actually one of the biggest varieties of arts and crafts anywhere in the world. So, for example, something like China may have, you know, a few crafts, few arts. A whole continent like Africa may have a few crafts, few arts. The Americas will have the Native American arts and crafts. But here in India, where we have these 30 different states, can you name a few arts and crafts that we have? So, actually, if you look at the number of arts and crafts that there are, there are over 40 varieties of arts and crafts in India. And some of this you're familiar with. You're familiar with Varli art, you're familiar with, say, Gonda art, but there are many, many, many more like Mandana, Ragmala, Ragragini, Banithani, um, Cheruel paintings, Mithila paintings, Santhal paintings. Uh, you know, which you may not even have heard of. And if you actually look at them, some of them are really, really interesting forms of um, arts that are available to us as a visual language. So guys, this is Kalighat art. A bunch of Patashitra artists from rural tribal Bengal, uh, basically the Birbhum district and all of those places. Yes, Kali Ghat, absolutely. Those guys actually came and settled uh, around the Kali temple in 19th century time. Uh, around the British period in Bengal. And uh, these Kaligarh artists had a skill. And this skill was actually used by Britishers to propagate their beliefs in the country. So they, whether it was their church beliefs, whether it was their court and criminal justice beliefs, whether it was uh, uh, getting uh, people to enroll for as volunteers for the army, the Britishers actually used this art because it has this very plaque-like simple effect. It could be easily multiplied and recreated through lithographs so this art was converted into litho prints and the britishers used these pro- posters to propagate their thinking across the country can you imagine that actually our own art was used by uh, these british guys so effectively to bring about change in the society miniatures are a great way to document historical events and uh, whatever has transpired uh, in the past, events, rulers, sometimes flora, fauna. So on the left, you have a portrait. And uh, this is a portrait of Shah Jahan. But it's not just a portrait, right? It tells you so much more. It tells you about what weapons he, he was good at using. So there's a sword and there's a lance. He w- What kind of clothes he must have worn. It looks like some very fine muslin silk the kind of jewelry he must have worn, his favorite horse, uh, the kind of grassy pastures he must have gone across, his turban. And actually, movie makers take a lot of uh, ideas from this. The entire Mastani uh, movie, Bajira Mastani, has been actually, uh, references were taken from miniature paintings. And uh, that's how they got her look so... Perfect. If you look at the painting on the right, this one documents a historical event. One of the very early governors, before they established the East India Company, had come to meet some of the Rajput kings. And this is in the court of the Rajput king. And if you look at it, how interesting it is, because you see that at the center of this area, which is the fort Fort area, at the center is the Rajput king and the governor meeting. On the two sides are the officials. One is the Rajput king's officials, one is the officials of the British empire. And they are talking and discussing and their noblemen are sitting down and discussing at one level and you have the upper level where pretty much like how diplomats discuss today. You look at a UN conference, you'll see something very similar. If you look at the outer courtyard, you have the king's soldiers guarding the outer, the immediate outer courtyard. So the elephants, the uh, the uh, infantry are all on the outside perimeter of the fort. And the complete external perimeter of the fort, you will see on one side, the British soldiers, and on the other side, you will see the Indian soldiers. And they are both guarding their sites and making sure nothing goes wrong for any of their... Um, Uh, their leaders and their rulers of course great documentations of flora fauna the one on the right has photographic detail of the bird the humming the sunbird every detail is captured how it is on the underbelly how it perches itself what kind of crest it has what who's the male who's the female every detail and if you look at it under a magnifying glass it's as good as a high resolution photograph and of course, they documented about the birds right here. To go forward, this is the Jali. Can someone tell me a little bit of what is this Jali? It's the IIM Ahmedabad Jali, right? The Siddhi Sayyad Jali. Now, what does it have at the center of the Jali? Can anybody say what it has? What is there at the center of the Jali? Tree of life. Okay, very good. Which tree of life? Palm tree. Excellent. So why do you think that in Gujarat, you have the palm tree as the tree of life? Where do you see palm tree in Gujarat? You don't, right? So I'll tell you the reason why. So the Siddhi community actually were brought in as slaves from Africa. And they came uh, and and settled in uh, India as slaves to begin with, under the uh, rulers of Gujarat state. And, uh, but uh, they actually overthrew the rulers and they actually ran the province of Gujarat for a while and they took over as um, the ruling community and this palm tree comes from africa so they actually the tree of life in africa is the palm tree so they created this palm this beautiful siddhi Sayyid jali and even today you will find the siddhi community having crinkly african hair very dark they look like africans and there's and but they do the dandyaras so how interesting is this symbol of integration of the Siddhi community into the uh, Hindu or the prevalent uh, strong Hindu culture which was there. So let's move into this one. Another fine example of how cultural art shows you that, you know, some symbols are universal. The tree of life you have seen in India. I just showed you one tree of life. But do you know that the Ashoka pillar is also a tree of life? It actually represents the branch of a tree at the basis, which you can't see at the base. The crucible is supposed to hold water and at the top is the crown or the mastak. Similarly, here you have the tree of life. On the right side is the Yggdrasil or the Nordic tree of life. All tree of life represent in some way or the other the wisdom, knowledge, growth, spiritual engagement, moving to a higher plane, higher level of thinking. So here too, the Nordic Idrasil shows the serpent at the base, which is holding on to all the evils of lust, greed, um, jealousy, all of that. And the serpent has its tentacles on all of them. So it's the lowest level. Then you have the mid-level, which is the earth level, where things are pretty much at a material level, where we all reside. Uh, Materiality or the physicality is very important part of the earth life. And if you allow yourself to move towards the higher spiritual plane, you are, suppo- you are supposed to go to Asgard, which is the top plane. And here you actually have evolved into a different human being. The bird at the top of the tree, which is perched, the eagle, that signifies a flight of learning, knowledge, growth. You will see similar concepts in the other tree of life as well. Look at the center one. The center tree of life, is the Christian or the, the the Christian belief of the tree of knowledge right? You have Adam and Eve, and you have uh, Eve about to take a bite of the apple, and um, you have to uh, you again. You will notice that there's the serpent here. The serpent again stands for everything that is bad about knowledge: so greed, lust. It is said that Adam and Eve did not understand the difference between right and wrong. And so they were innocent of right and wrong, pretty much like how a dog is or, you know, a duck is. But once they ate from the tree of knowledge, they became conscious themselves. And therefore, mankind evolved from that one bite. How interesting is that? I mean, uh, of course, they, they didn't think it was a good thing. But I mean, we obviously have had a lot to benefit and changed ourselves because of that one bite of Eve. Um, On the left side, you have the Celtic tree of life, which is a never ending knot. It represents the never ending cyclicity of nature and growth and replenishment. How nature replenishes the earth and the earth replenishes and builds the tree and then the seeds fall down, it's a constant positive cycle. So again, these these interpretations of the tree of life, you will see many, many, many cultures. I've just put a few over here because I can do an entire talk just around the tree of life itself. This one is a frieze from uh, an Indonesian temple. And here also you see the Kalpavriksha, the wishing tree of life, which is supposed to have come out of the Samudra and. As you remember, the Samudra Manthan was also churned by a serpent. So the serpent actually is there in almost all representations of the tree of life across cultures. And if you look at the top the serpent, you can see its head jutting out from the tree right at the top near the crown. And you have these two kinnaras and kinnaris, the male and female apsaras guarding the tree of life and uh, it is supposed to be the wish-fulfilling wish tree or the tree that gives you whatever you aspire for. That can be looked at multiple levels, right? Some of us aspire for physical good, some of Some people may aspire for knowledge. So whatever you aspire for is supposed to come if you look at the tree of life symbolically as your way to grow. Okay, so to another slightly different topic. Um, well, It's a part of the same continuation, showing you the arts of India and showing you the possibilities. Who knows what uh, what painting is this? This is a Saurai painting, and it comes from Jharkhand. Now, uh, Saurai comes from the term so so so, which they used to call animals, and Rai means an animal uh, or life. So basically, Sorai means calling an animal. These are large frescoes that are made on the walls of uh, the homes. And, you know, the bride uh, and the groom are sometimes gifted this by the community. Uh, it's mostly about animals, but look at the way they've treated the mud. So they used organic uh, colors like haldi, uh, mud, uh, red mud, and minerals to get this kind of beautiful color. This is just a small painting, but you have... Highly imaginative, uh, lots of uh, fresco work across the walls uh, in Jharkhand. There's still some few small villages that carry this art on their wall. And yes, Sarguja is also a very beautiful area, but slightly different. Coming to Rogan, Rogan art is a very interesting art form, uh, comes from Persia. What he's painting is, again, a Persian-influenced Tree of Life. The Persians were, of course, um, uh, they had uh, Islamic influences and they had Zoroastrian influences. So this Tree of Life is uh, basically um, got a water at the base and, you know, a crown at the top. And Rogan painting is made by, you know, through a process almost like henna. So they take a, a, a little pigment and they go on the surface of the cloth. They don't paint it, actually. And then they fold the cloth. So when they fold the cloth, they get this perfect symmetry and then they go over it again to um, get this beautiful three-dimensional relay, relief effect on the Rogan painting. Uh, a very specialized skill. There's just one uh, family, one or two families that are taking this tradition forward. This is uh, the covered art. covered art comes from Rajasthan. Again, this is like a I'm also highlighting the problems of the artisans as I present the art. This uh, covered art was actually uh, created as a moving temple. And uh, they were actually Harijans or people who were not allowed to enter the regular temples. So they created their own temples, which were these lovely folding doorways. And the doorways open up and they tell stories of Ramayana on the sides of the door. And as, as you open the door one by one, bit by bit, you come to the inner part of the temple where you have Ram Sita, Lakshman. And you can and the the, the covered the covered people, singers actually sing the stories of let's say Shravan or Shrubari and you know those kind of stories from the Ramayana. Nina has written a, a very intensive involved book on. The covered subject. Okay, what painting is this, guys? It is it is called Surpur painting. And Surpur painting is basically done with one stroke. So if you look at the line work, the artist uses just one stroke to complete one part. So he has completed many of these little 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 faces all in one stroke. It's all joined up. He has completed many of these, the Krishna, the Radha figure at the center. Like in one stroke, look at the perfection, look at the beauty and look at the composition. Uh, There's no drawing, there's no base, there's nothing. But this comes out of years and years of practice and years and years of your father doing this, your grandfather doing this, till it becomes a part of your bloodstream. So there are a few artisans who are doing this and it's called Surpur painting and uh, it's almost lost. I, I hardly see examples of this type of art anymore. So there is a disconnect, right? Why is there a disconnect? Now let's, let us try to understand what is the reason for this? Yes, it's from Karnataka. The reason for this disconnect, let us understand. And uh, there are many reasons. It's not one reason. I'll just cover very few in this presentation because I can't talk about everything. But one big reason is that indigenous arts and crafts have become commoditized. People over the years, have made arts and crafts cheap. So the government gives a subsidy and they say, okay, we'll give you the exhibition space for free. And so the artist doesn't take into account that there is a cost to that exhibition and he will put it at a certain price. Or for that matter, people who live in, uh, in cities, they don't want to pay a premium for crafts anymore. And the reason is because we have lost touch with what, how much work is involved in these skills and why they are special. The reason is also because earlier times you had the kings and the queens, the rajas, and maharajas who were the patrons. And they were in immediate contact with their subjects and with the artisans. And there was constant give and take. The rajas used to say, do this for my house, do that for my house, make me a, a doli for my wife, to make me this, make it that. And there was constant give and take. So there was an exchange that was happening. That exchange has stopped because the buyers are now us. We stay in the cities, we stay in skyscrapers, and we have lost touch with the artisans who actually still reside in the villages of India. And this disconnect has resulted in us not understanding what is the value of their effort? Why is it that their effort is worth something? And and then, and, and hence, we are not willing to pay for it. We we feel that you know why not buy a cheap uh, handmade basket? But when you compare a cheap handmade basket to a very fine work of art, you know it is only then and you realize that you know the two are very different. And that comparison, that ability to see the difference or to understand the effort has gone. Access is also gone, right? How? Where are you going to go running and finding artisans in villages? And, you know, where are you going to find these producers to do work for you? Uh, You do no longer have access and they no longer understand you, us, the market. What does the market want? At one point in time, they were aware of what the market wanted. But in today's time, they do not know what you want, how exposed you are, what world influences have come into your life. They do not know anymore what to create for you. So there is this disconnect that has happened and um, it is important that this disconnect is recognized and this, uh, this, this bridge is given. So this is an art from Sindhudur, it's called Chitrakati. And they, they are again performers, they see the stories of Ramayan as they tell their stories. And similarly, they were treated very badly in the Harijan community. So while they sing the stories of Ramayana and Puranas, they are not actually allowed to enter the temples. They, even when they enter people's homes, they are made to sit in the courtyard, sing the stories, and then leave. But they are supposed to clean up and and actually purify the space with cow dung before they leave. So the the entire uh, the injustice done to these artists or the uh, you know the sense of uh, being mistreated was so high that many of the new generation artists are no longer interested in taking up these uh, art forms. So Chitrakati is a dying art. Um, It's only available in a couple of families and they also have their differences. One is good at the storytelling and believes in the classic storytelling model and will not create art for the sake of art. And the other family will create Art, but has forgotten the storytelling. This is what is happening to the crafts of India. Bit by bit, the entire complexity of a craft where it is not just a painting, but it's much more. It's poetry, it's music, it's singing. All of that is going into bits and parts. So we need to bridge the gap. And how can we bridge this gap? Coming to bridging the gap, crafts really need... And here I'm showing a few of my own work examples, as I explained. So crafts really need to occupy a place of pride. We have to make a conscious attempt as designers that we do not treat crafts as cheap commodities, but actually put them in the best places possible. So for example, this is terracotta art, which comes from Kerala. Small tile pieces are put together like a puzzle and created into this beautiful 32 feet mural. And uh, you know, it's only when they do it on-site that people in the bank came and saw and they said oh wow I mean you I didn't know something like this existed or could be done and it, it symbolizes strength and stability for this bank innovation is required this is uh, uh, an example of uh, uh, the dokra craft which is basically the lost wax process where you take wax threads and you you cover uh, you know the, uh, the surface with intricate wax thread work. And then on, through the mold, you pour hot, hot uh, metal, a hot brass, and the wax threads melt and the brass takes its way. So all of you have seen Dokra figurines, but we created something quite different, uh, where we had to get the curvature accurate, the size accurate, and Dokra is not a precise craft. So what we did was we created these wrought iron tawas, we created paper models, we actually uh, put Place the pa- paper models on top of the Tavas and then make them cut out the forms and then work that way. So you got this very interesting uh, Dokra work, uh, which has uniform curvature. And even, of course, the representation had to be abstract. The 10 incarnations of Vishnu, where we had to show Parshuram, Ram, Krishna, Kalki. Uh, we actually worked quite a bit on creating a new look to the Dashavatar. Um, and this was um, a good way to take the Dashavatar idea forward in craft. We have uh, worked extensively with copper enamel craft. And as you must have seen, a lot of copper enamel is these chinty-chinty things uh, that you must have seen in Bombay stores. They don't have great color or very, they look like they've looked for many, many years, right? But Bayer took it upon themselves to work with these artists. And we have actually worked on the scale, on the size, on the motive, on ensuring the wirework does not slip on a curved surface. And we started creating much larger, much more international products. So if you see this one, this is a big jump from here. So these are products which have, a new, have colors that anybody would buy across the globe. They, they are meant for themes and complex abstract ideas that we have brought in here. You may well say that, but does it change the craft? Of course, it changes the craft. But it is, crafts is an industry. According to me, crafts has to evolve, has to change. If crafts doesn't have income at the end of the day, will it even remain? So for us, we take the approach that it has to be contextual to today's time and the skills will be reinterpreted for today's time. So this is a very uh, famous uh, sign that we at the uh, Bombay House, Tata Bombay House, in their uh, Starbucks cafe, and it was inaugurated by Radhan Tata. And as you can see, the plates have the Taj motif, and we have worked towards the concept of Taj also being represented in some way in the uh, Starbucks cafe. And here you have another interpretation of copper enamel. These are large, three feet, four feet, sometimes five feet, Daya chandeliers, which we have worked with an architect, Punam Mehta. And uh, it's a very different interpretation of the copper enamel work. And uh, it's a chandelier. Um, it's, it's quite a popular product in Baya. We call it Zephyr or Abdi's. And then we have created this, uh, uh, the tree, right? The Champa tree or the Plumeria tree. And uh, it has been created in such a way that you can actually uh, assemble the tree in half a day's time. And you can assemble it to any size. You can scale it, grow it, multiply it, and it can go 7 feet, 8 feet, 20 feet, whatever you want. So all these are new ideas for the artisans. They learn with us, but we also learn from them. And it is extremely interesting to uh, see how they interpret it also sometimes. And uh, so some simple examples of crafts in interiors, uh, you know, Jaipur blue pottery being used as tiles in bathrooms, actually on the walls they are pretty sturdy i've not had any breakage in problems or any such thing um but people don't use it on the walls they somehow are afraid then you have kalamkari work which was done on wood it is trickier than it looks because on wood you are actually working in the reverse way on cloth on cloth you have a light piece of cloth you do your outlines you fill it with color and dyes and you're done here you have to do multiple levels you have to, first of all, do your your white patches. Then you actually redo the white patches and strength, uh, create a color which is consistent on the wood. And the last stage when you're doing the outlines. So it's the reverse, actually, that happens uh, on wood. Lipan simple. It's a simple artwork. Uh, but look how well it fits into a modern house. There's absolutely no reason why you cannot have Lippan art, Lippan panels in homes. Uh, ideas to just explain that it can be very beautifully integrated into interiors. Uh, A traditional Kalamkari painting, but again, it looks quite sophisticated. The entire interior with very minimal sofas and, you know, just one artwork done in simple soft colors. We put art everywhere. This is a Patichitra painting put inside a cupboard, Uh, but see how smart it looks. Uh, It doesn't look overdone, heavy, which is the expected. And you have of Indian ethnic, but it doesn't need to be. Um, Jaipur blue pottery and furniture. We, um, we have tried out different things and it was quite interesting and this arranged it reasonably well. This is again, your brass um, dokra work combined with thrown brass. So um, the, art, art, the artist was just encouraged to throw the brass. We worked with an Italian artist and she said, why don't you just throw the brass, see what form it takes. And we just threw it. And it's it took really beautiful shapes, and you know that's how we got this flowy, flowy forms. But other than that, we've also done these dokra tree trunks, uh, actually with using tree trunks and you know stuff like that. So and uh, to uh, coming back that you know to how do you bridge the gap? One very important aspect of bridging the gap is engaging young minds. I taught a couple of courses at uh, a design college here. Uh, And it was more, I I just wanted to see what they knew or they didn't know how they interpreted the craft for themselves. And it amazed me that they knew very little, very, very, very little about their own crafts and arts of India. But when I taught them to look at some of the cultural arts and work backwards, I gave them an exercise, create your portrait, Uh, They actually did it beautifully. And uh, here you see one boy who has done this Patachitra interpretation. The Patichitra interpretation that he has done is uh, on uh, Patichitra has always come with a border, but and there's always a pose, a stance, a side profile. So he has taken all of that language and he has created his own self-portrait where he wants to show that he's he likes to be in control. He loves being in control. That is his portrayal here. And so he's on this magnificent horse and controlling the reins. This is a Kalighat interpretation. girl wanted to interpret Kalighat painting where she says, I am inspired by nature. I'm inspired by free flows. Uh, you know, I, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I, I love the fact that uh, I can imagine better when I'm in nature. So This is her interpretation of a Kalighat painting. This is an interpretation of a Ghosn painting. The portrait shows a rebellious girl who is looking at herself in the mirror. She has dreadlocks, but see how beautifully she has integrated the textures of Ghosn painting into the art, which is what a Ghosn painting is known for. So right from the eyebrows to her hair and everything, so beautifully done. Some more interpretations by my students. On the left, you have people dating each other. So even though they are kissing each other, they can't take their hands off the mobile. And then you have, uh, you know, in the center, a couple is getting, are getting married. And even though they're getting married, they just start taking their own selfies. And then on the right side, you have this very rebellious girl who is a feminist and she wanted to interpret herself in a Kalikart style. Just look at how beautifully she has interpreted this language of Kali for herself. And you know, it, it it's a it's a it's a painting worthy of someone pretty professional. I I would say that if I looked at this, I would say this is not a new artist, this is someone incredibly talented. So uh, but it all came from the language of the past, and they came up with something totally original because they interpreted it. So coming back to culture and design, just some more examples, guys. This is stamps done of different cities. You cannot do a product like this without understanding your own culture or the culture of the cities or where they come from. And, but see how it is integrated in a playful way, and at the same time, it captures the culture of each place. Um, philosophy of nature, natural forms, being a part of nature, and um, uh, the Zen thinking, the minimal, show what is natural, show it well, do the minimum. And where do you think this came from? This came from his philosophical understanding of his own culture. The whole Japanese philosophy is embedded in every every product that he creates. And so look at him. I mean, I think his interpretation is world famous. Not say too much more about this. And here is our own Dashat Patel. You may have heard of him. He's a designer who taught our teachers. Uh, and uh, he was personally um, put uh, put into place uh, in the early days of NID. A lot of art which hasn't had an indigenous uh, touch. But his whole thing was that, you know, why isn't there an indigenous design? Why aren't people doing something that reflects what is so special about the West, which doesn't even fit us? You know, he said that, you know, it's like dressing up a tractor in a dinner jacket. Neither the tractor nor the jacket fits. So why aren't we doing more with who we are? Why are we hesitating so much? Why are we only studying Picasso's art or the blue art? Why aren't we studying our own art? And what can we make of that? And Dashrath Patel strongly believed that you could really do a highly interesting thing. This is the flamethrower, a statue at the entrance of the IT corridor in Chennai. And I'll end with two interesting craft stories, because I want you to know what's what's so special about engaging with artisans. What happens when you engage with artisans? So this is a village in Mangalore, uh, close to Mangalore. And uh, it has... uh, it, it's basically, uh, we went in search of something known as the bhuta craft. The bhuta craft is a highly specialized craft, which, were, which is in the Odipi region around Mangalore. And we had to really search. We went to village after village after village asking, milega kya. then the brother would say, bhai karta hai then we went to the brother. Then the brother would say, we would go to that person. And then finally we came upon some absolutely incredible Bhuta artists. Bhuta artists, I read it up in Ranjan's book, but this is what it is. This is uh, old Bhuta work. But look at the expressiveness. Look at the carvings. It's almost like Daro and all those places come alive. It is uh, incredible, and some of them are thirty feet, forty feet tall works of wood. Some are so ancient; it looks like they're thousand years old. I mean, when I looked at it, to me, it was a, uh, it was it was a spiritual. Uh, feeling almost. I felt, my God, I've never seen this. It is amazing. And the rest of the world hasn't seen this. India hasn't seen this. This is just a small picture of the pinjodli or the boar that they have. And, you know, they, they also have influences, Islamic influences in their statues. There's a guy called Babur with a beard. And then you have this lady carrying a child. And they're absolutely interesting and incredible. Another example, this is um, in Sikib. I'd gone in search of, of a, you know, Thanka art comes from Nepal, but it originated in India. So I said, Sikib mein hoga, let me go and find. I had to find an Indian artist for a certain project. So I went to uh, uh, this place, uh, Sikib. Uh, and uh, everywhere I went, there were terrible Thankas. The government emporiums had really bad Thankas and... Uh, shabbily done, looked like prints, did not even inspire anything. So I kept asking. Then finally, my hotel concierge said, Go near the zoo. There's a little village. You have to go to that village. There are a few artisans, one or two artisans there. So I went near the zoo and I climbed one level. They're all hills, right? And there are settlements that are there on the hills. So I climbed one level. And they said, Ha, upar hai. So I climbed the second level. Then they said, Neni, ne, aur upar hai. So I climbed the third level. <laughs> so That way, I just was about to give up because you know, these are fairly strenuous climbs, they're almost like vertical ladders going up steep staircases. So, on the fourth embankment, I said, I asked for him, Heck yeah, yes, yes, there is someone. I said, Okay, let me go. So, I went to this person's house, and this the lady opened the door, and there was a lady, there were children playing around, and it looked like a very ordinary house. She was cooking, and there were there was a little bit of garbage around and, you know, the, it was, I set up wherever I come. I mean, you know, it's been a wasted, uh, you know, false journey. Then she said, Nini, my husband is doing the painting, go up. And I went up. So there was a small ladder and there was a little uh, mezzanine that they had built. And I went up on the mezzanine and I can't tell you, it was, it was unbelievable. There was this. Whole vista of the Himalayas, looking into that house up there. It was a blue room, and there was this incredible thanka artist doing the most incredible thanka painting. And I said, I said, you know, my God, everything was worth it. Everything was worth it just to find this one guy. Who who, look at his work. I mean, it's amazing. How do they even do such detailing? How do they do such such form, such perfection, such beauty, use of semi-precious stone dust and and he obviously is inspired by this whole Himalayas that are looking into his house at the top. The bottom is all dirty right and he's sitting there surrounded with his semi-precious stones and with this art. So to me these connects create an imprint in me. To me it has taken me 10-12 years to figure out how to imbibe some of these things into my work and at the same time come up with my own statement of design. But every such incident shapes you. And whenever you know you go mature, you grow and mature, you learn, 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 you inspire, you get inspired, and then you come up with something that is probably special. So with that, I will uh, close the talk for the day. Thank you all so much for... Listening to me and yeah, so uh, many people are saying thanks and I'm uh, thank you for spending time with me. Uh, and Siddharth asked a very interesting question. He said, "For Dashavatar pieces, did you give the artists the free hand to interpret?" No. In this case, I did not give them any free hand to interpret because they had simply never done anything like this before. They had not thought of creating flat curvature uh, art. Um, this was conceptualized entirely by me and the context was given by the architects and then we worked with them to create it. But does that mean that we don't collaborate? We do collaborate from time to time with artists and give them some freedom to come up with their own thinking. Very often they say, Madam, will not to do this, how I say, haan, haan, let's try that. So it's, sometimes it's a give and take, sometimes you have to be a dictator. Any other questions?
0: So I have a question, which is, uh, okay, if I'm allowed to ask. Uh, you know, working, I mean, ha- have been opportunity enough to, to actually work with you. Uh, this, this question always, I think, came up and I also had asked you several times. That is, uh, you know, the whole whole direction of uh, craft being placed in the modern environment drives the crafts to uh, a, a, a contemporary direction. So, what is the limit? Where does it, you know, have to be held back? Because you know, there is a there is a very thin line between actually retaining that culture and probably losing it. So yeah. Where is that that you know limit?
1: So, so it, it, it's it's actually very relative. I think that you know, uh, pretty much if you look at dance forms, so you have modern dance which combines sometimes um, Bharatanatyam moves but makes a ballet composition like pretty much like how Malika Sarabhai might create a ballet composition using Bharat Natyam moves but her composition is totally com- contemporary. Similar thing is happening in our space where you have to actually according to Baya Baya doesn't believe in being a purist because we feel we have to move with the time. Today's time the geographical context is less important than keeping the income going and it is more important for the artisans to keep that skill alive. And because of that, we try to constantly expose them to what customers of today would want. But at the same time, buyer tries to keep a a touch of of the geography. So whatever we interpret, we try not to make it totally alien. We try to keep something of the geography, something of the originality of the authenticity of the craft is maintained. And a lot of our work is done by grassroots artisans. In that sense, it's completely authentic. But we do want them to expand their vista on what is possible.
0: There's a question from Padmaram. Hmm. What keeps you motivated for the craft? Uh, is it the people, product, or process? For me, it's the process.
1: So um, process is, of course, important. And I, it's, it's actually a healing experience that things by hand. If you just soulful experience but to me it's really you know it's challenging i love the challenge of working with crafts i love the fact that uh you know i with whatever little knowledge i have i can do something my design innovation or through my ability to rethink the material or through my ability to understand the market i can bring something that makes a difference so to me it's a number of different things the ability to make a difference the ability to learn something and it's a bottomless pit right the crafts in india every time i'm amazed how much there is i mean bhuta i just discovered recently i've been in the craft business for 20 years never heard of bhuta first time i encountered bhuta was two three years back it's a it's like alibaba's cave there's no ending you keep finding 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 incredible stuff Okay, how difficult is it to convince artisans to work on design that times might not agree with blend of the art? Sometimes you get artisans who either are not willing or will not change. Like I said that there are purists, like the Chitrakati painting I showed you, though there's a bunch of you purists there who will not change the art under any circumstances. They will keep the art as it was and they will keep the storytelling along with it. So it, it really depends. There are there are some artists, especially the younger generation, who are willing to experiment, collaborate, uh, try new things. Yeah.
0: There's another question from Siddharth. Uh, yeah. Siddharth himself is also uh, one who uses a lot of Indian crafts and style. Yeah. Uh, i seen his work a lot. Uh, so yeah. how do you decide how much of art has to be incorporated to make it craft worthy of appreciation or sale? Uh, do you depend on your design sense uh, of decoration or ornamentation?
1: Yeah, we, we, we do not believe that, you know, one should incorporate a skill where just for the sake of incorporating a skill. It has to have centrality of purpose, of ideation, of design. The craft has to be the hero. Only then does it make sense to call it a, you know, a, a craft-based product. If you're just putting one little doorknob here and calling it a craft-based product, it doesn't work, I feel. So it, it has to be, Central to your thinking central to your idea you start with what the how you can interpret the craft for that art form and then you do it that ensures that the craft is a very important significant part
0: of what you're doing and it, it's all, it's a very slow emerging process it's not something that one can you know really change over over a day
1: it is uh, it, it's, it takes time. It takes a long time. We've been working with copper enamel for four five years. Only now that we are doing crazy products. There was a long time that we just pottered around did small, small stuff, engaged with artisans. and It takes time. Four to five years before you really can explore the potential of a craft. It, it, so it's,
0: maybe
1: also,
0: it's also parallel with the craftsman, right? Uh, I mean, the, the trust that they wish to work with you, the trust that you know they really believe in you uh, as much as as much as you are depending no, on
1: them totally i think that trust is a big factor much as we might say that this is a commercial industry they're actually artists at soul mm-hmm. so if you treat them in a way that is negative or doesn't build trust they will not work with you no matter your money so it's important to build trust mm-hmm.
0: there's another question from Purvi. Does your business model support long-term sustainability and support of artisan or craft? If so, how?
1: So we adopt a craft. Every every two years, we adopt a different craft. We've recently adopted... uh, We've worked with Dokra. We've worked with Copper Enamelling. We've very recently adopted Sadeli Wood Marketry, which is a dying craft, uh, especially the one in Gujarat. And then we work consciously with that craft. 3 4 years and try to integrate doing at any point in time so yeah it is it is very much an important part of our agenda
0: yeah i think i think that's about it anyone else with any questions if anyone wish wishes to uh, speak to shibani directly they can also come
1: yeah sure uh, uh, my my instagram is shibani dasgupta jain you can uh, join me on instagram and message me there Or um, just take my uh, email ID from ADI. I'd be happy to uh, answer questions if anybody has anything. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. It's been wonderful to be here with you. Um, As a designer, being with designers, it's always wonderful to talk to you guys, especially. So, thanks.
0: Right. So, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us these insights. Um, i i totally agree the potential uh, interaction between designers and these skills are you know uh, and, and it, it's quite high and and merely the surface has been stretched so yes. so, uh, so i think uh, for for everyone please look up uh, look up at baya for a lot of uh, such exciting projects that they keep working on uh, they recently have uh, launched their new experience centers in amary so please go and have a look at her in mumbai Uh, Thanks to all for attending this session. To know more, uh, to know about more such events, uh, follow ADI on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, join us as a member to uh, to enjoy a lot more uh, as a design community. Have a great evening and uh, see you next time.